and that it will be a blessing to all of us that are here. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so time is, time is gone. I love to speak for a long time, sing for a long time, but you probably all exit and I will still be here. So, so I have to transition. <laughs> okay. Now, if you were here in, I, don't, I think it was June that I started talking on this stuff, Luke chapter 7, and I think I spoke in August, and now this is October. So a chapter in Jesus' life, Luke chapter 7. So today, we are going to be talking about uh, John the Baptist. That's the next, you know, the, uh, my slides would at least give you a sense of where we've been, but let's start here. So let's read this, this section of the passage, Luke chapter 7 from verse 24. After John's disciple left, so John sent his disciples to Jesus Christ to ask, are you the Messiah or should we look for another one? And then Jesus performed some miracles. And after the disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowd. John the Baptist. What kind of mind did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. Verse 28, I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet, even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. When they heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right. For they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in religious law rejected God's plan for them. For they had refused John's baptism. So this is where we've been. The journey so far, the entire Luke chapter 7, we read. So we dealt with a centurion, a man, who had a son, or a, a servant that was not feeling well, and he requested that Jesus should heal the son. And Jesus healed the, the servant from a distance. And Jesus did that. He performed the miracle. And then Jesus went to the city of Nain, and then met a woman that was coming with a dead son. And Jesus raised the boy from the dead. Physical resurrection. Today, we are going to deal with an imprisoned prophet. He makes a request to Jesus Christ, hoping that Jesus will perform a miracle for him. And in the course of that conversation, Jesus declared that John the Baptist 
is the greatest person that has ever lived. Very unconventional. And I've been around for a long time. I don't hear many sermons on John the Baptist. Rather, I hear sermons on David, on Moses, and all of those people. Nothing wrong with it. But I don't hear many sermons on John the Baptist. And then uh, next time, whenever that is, we will deal with a sinful woman that demonstrates faith in Jesus Christ. All right. So, I want to engage you before, so that my brain can start, you know, from all that noise, my brain can start uh, coming down. So, this question is to help you, to say to you for the next question, for the other questions that are coming. So, the first name assigned in the Old Testament to a person, Adam, wonderful, that's true. So, you need to pay attention to the next one. The first name assigned in the New Testament. Yes, it is John. John. Here in Luke chapter 1, the angel appeared to Zachariah and says, Do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. John is the first name that is assigned to anybody in the New Testament. So my next question to you is this. The name John means what? What does John mean? Yeah, gift from God. But I'm looking for a word. Very close. What's that? The name, the meaning of the name. Not, not his assignment, but the meaning of the name. Oh, I went to look for it and I typed into Google, so don't bother typing. I've already done the typing. God is gracious. You can check it out when you leave. Okay? God is gracious. And I find it fascinating that the New Testament begins its message with the grace of God. The entrance of the era of grace. So God is gracious. That's what it means. Okay, so how many men named John are mentioned in the gospel? It's not a trick question. And there are not that many. So so it's not meant to be tricky. Just... Uh, Kevin say two. I agree. There are just two. Do you have a third one? John Mark. John Mark. Is he mentioned as John Mark in the gospel? Oh, no. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, yeah, in the gospel. I tried to qualify it. Yeah. It's because I knew if I, if I expand the scope, 
I, will for, I won't know some, and I'll be in trouble. Yes, it's mentioned, but it's not in the gospel. So what are the two men? John the Baptist and John the, the, uh, John the disciple, John the beloved. My next question to you is this. What is the relationship between the two men? It's not a trick question. <laughs> What's that? They are brothers in the Lord. Definitely they are. But that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> they both did what? They both walked closely with Jesus. But that's not what I'm looking for. That's true. All of that is true. I'm sure there is something, yeah? Excellent. Great. Today is your day, Kevin. <laughs> yes. John the Beloved was a disciple of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist pointed to Jesus Christ and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And John the Beloved left John the Baptist and followed Jesus. Yes. John's disciple that later became Jesus' disciple and the rest of it is history. Okay. Some of this I don't I have answers but I probably I just want you to participate or tell me what you think. How was the process of forgiveness under the Levitical system different from the forgiveness preached through John the Baptist? There was physical sacrifice where? In the Levitical system. And what happened to John the Baptist's forgiveness? Repentance and baptize. You have to think about this. For many years, animal sacrifices were being offered for sin. The activity was taking place in the temple. And John the Baptist went to the wilderness not the temple, and preach, repent, and have forgiveness of sin. No animals, no sacrifice, because he was looking forward to pointing to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Very unusual, moving an entire sacrificial system away from what they were used to for many years into the Lamb of God that was coming into the world. You have to admit, that was a very, very steep assignment. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm not done. 
all of this is part of my message, so don't worry. Don't think, you know, they already, I, I find when I start getting excited, I start talking fast. You don't even hear what I'm saying because I'm all Nigerian and just jumping. So I'm trying to slow, slow so that you get the message. <laughs> all right. So the gospel with the most commentary on John the Baptist's ministry, which gospel? Uh, I, you, could be dif- you could differ from me on this, but I think, you know, read the question carefully. John. Uh, there are only four gospels, so I, I, I would tend to go today with John. I'm talking of commentary on John the Baptist's ministry. <laughs> okay. <And John>. Yes. <laughs> All right. Last uh, is that the last? I think it is. Why did John the Baptist baptize the Jews? Was it a usual practice to baptize Jews? So why did he baptize the Jews? The answer is in the Bible. We are going to leave that hanging, okay? And you can give me the answer. I'm not going to talk about this. All right, so now let's move on. So in trying to think of of the life of John the Baptist, these are the key biblical passages that I'm looking at. For today, I will probably be on these ones, and next time I will be on that one, okay? So, Jesus said these words. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, yet, a very important yet. The one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. That's in Luke, and he repeats this in Matthew. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I see in Luke, it talks about the kingdom of God, and in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven. Just an observation. So these are Jesus' words as John the Baptist's ministry was ending. And these words were said when John the Baptist was not present. I believe they were spoken for you and for me. And so the question I would like to ask you, you want to be great? If you do, you should fundamentally ask, how can I enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? Because that will make you greater than John. And John is the greatest. But I'm not going to speak on that, how can I enter 
I'm going to leave that hanging. But that will be the next one, the next message. Okay. So I want to look at John the Baptist as a great man. John. I saw the name. I saw it was the first name. And I saw God is gracious. And I said to myself, this is neat. The New Testament begins with the grace of God and continues and continues and we stand in the grace of God. It's a wonderful thing to think that way. All right, four points. So before John was imprisoned, it was prophesied that John will be great before his birth. John prepared Israel for the Messiah. And John introduced the Messiah to Israel. And John voluntarily exited the stage for the Messiah. He voluntarily did that. So I'm going to talk on these four topics, but I don't have the gift of bravery when I'm speaking. So I tend to just say, Try not to say everything. So hopefully I'll do the first two and maybe next time the last two. It was prophesied that John will be great before his birth. Let's read. In Luke chapter 1, the story begins with a Luke, you know, laying out historical accounts and then it ends up with, uh, and then continues with uh, John's dad in the temple performing his priestly duty. And while he was doing that, an angel appeared. So let's read. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So they were old. They had not had children. And so Zachariah prayed that God will intervene. And God intervened. And then spoke to Zachariah and said, Don't be, uh, send an angel to Zachariah, angel Gabriel, and said, Don't be afraid, for your prayers have been heard, and your wife will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. God is gracious. So his name was given by God. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice. At his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. His greatness was prophesied. He will be great before the Lord, not before the world, but before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. 
And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. His name will be John. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He shouldn't drink wine or strong drink. Good advice. And... uh, (laughs) And he will be, and he will perform all of this, you know. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Four hundred years without a prophet, and this came up. This man, this your son, is going to do this. So it happened, as was told, that Zechariah went home, and then his wife became pregnant, and they had a boy. Uh, And then, I mean, she hid herself, all of that. I don't want to go into all of that. Uh, Hid herself and then met with Mary and all of that. For with God, nothing shall be impossible, all of that. So she hid for six months, and then they had the boy, the boy John. And when they had him, they asked the mom, what name should we give him? No, okay, they said, his name should be Zachariah. The mother said, no, John, John. That has to be his name because God is gracious. Grace is arriving on the scene. And they had to ask the dad. And when he started writing John, he began to speak. And as he was speaking, he first spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he spoke about his son. And his father, Zachariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadows of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance. So, John, God is gracious. I think I can take that out. I want to start by noting that true greatness is before God. It's not before men. We have to keep that in mind and not before the world, it was not guaranteed that John would live up to the prophecies. So I, I like to suggest to you that Zachariah and Elizabeth, they trained John. They spent time training John, telling him what has been prophesied. They must have spoken about the prophecy, and I believe, i like to suggest to you that the training was focused on God's word, training him in the way of the Lord. And it wasn't focused on material or physical prosperity or achievements. How do I know? Hey, the guy lived in the wilderness, not palace. His diet was what? Locust and honey. And not just that, he couldn't even wear suit like me. He was wearing camel's hair. So the master focused his mind on the word of God. This is what God is saying. You need the word of God. 
You want to be great? The word of God. Because greatness is only as God judges, not as men. Let's move on. John prepared Israel for the Messiah. So, in Luke chapter 1, Luke does a fantastic job of introducing us to the world's greatest people during John's time. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Eturia, and Triconistes, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. The world's greatest people during this time are mentioned. The Roman rulers. In fact, Tiberius was what? On the throne for how many years? Fifteen. And Rome was ruling the world. Of course, all the other kings that were ruling Israel are mentioned. Pontius Pilate, Herod, Philip, and all of them, they are all mentioned. And also, because Israel was a godly or religious country, the high priests in charge are also mentioned. Ananias and Caiaphas. But none of them received God's word. And nobody as considered by the world was the one that God's word came to. And Jesus declared him to be the greatest man that has ever lived. And we had all these characters, all these great men at that time. The Lord Jesus looked beyond the surface and spoke of John. Let's move on. Introduction to John the Baptist. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he preached in the wilderness. And the message was, repent. For forgiveness of sins. I've already noted that this message was unusual because he was talking about forgiveness, repentance in the wilderness, not in the temple. And of course, there's so much prophecy that is written about John there that I don't want to read because I am looking at the time and I'm thinking of your Tommy. All right. What was John's message? He said, therefore, to the crowd that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. That is a very politically correct word. How dare you call us brood of vipers? Hot our conscience or hot our emotions. You are putting me down. But he said this, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our fathers. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And then he goes on. And the crowd asks in verse 10, what shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has, 
whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect more than, not more than you, authorize, you are authorized to do. And soldiers asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threat or false accusation and be content with your wages. And the people were wondering whether John was the Messiah that they've been expecting because of his message, the audience that John had. So in Mark chapter 1, we are told, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country, everyone, of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river, confessing their sins, and John's clothes was camel hair, leather belt on his waist, he ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, verse 7, saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but it will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he had the entire Judea under his control. It was his time to be famous. But John understood his mission. His mission was to prepare the way for the Messiah and to introduce the Messiah to Israel. So what can we say? I've summarized the points and I'm looking at the time. I'm, I'm aiming to finish. Before the food. So physically, John was not named among the world's greatest at his time. His home was wilderness. And that was figuratively the state of Israel. They were in a wilderness state. Their relationship with God was non-existent. His cloth was camel hair. You can be sure he didn't dress for success. And of course, locusts and honey, <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what kings eat. So I have to say it was, his lifetime was very simple and below ordinary. His message was repent for forgiveness of sins, show fruit of repentance. He was uncompromising in his message. He kept the message. And it wasn't popular with the religious elite, and he proclaimed forgiveness in the wilderness not at the temple with animal sacrifice. So message was centered on repentance and forgiveness. All Judea, all Jerusalem, it was very popular and successful. John had the chance to make it, to be the man on top. But he missed his chance because he understood his mission was to do what God has asked him to do. Most people thought that he was the expected Messiah, and when he introduced Jesus, he said, he's mightier than I When he spoke of Jesus, even before Jesus showed up, he said, he's mightier than I am. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. Do you know what that means? In Israel, there's a common saying, it was understood, that a disciple can perform all tasks for their master except one task. Stooping down to untie sandals. John said, I'm not even qualified 
to do that. This was before Jesus was on the scene. What we've learned so far, I'm summarizing. John, the first name assigned in the New Testament means God is gracious. We are in the era of grace, and this is a wonderful thing. True greatness is before God and not before the world. So don't look for it. Really, shouldn't even be striving for it. John's parents were faithful to the word of God. And that's my challenge to all parents sitting here. Rather than train them to be the next uh, Michael Jordan, or what's his name? Uh, Messi, or what are the other titles? All the superstars. Pump the word of God into the minds and hearts of your children. This is important because God's word is life and food. And that's what will sustain them when things like this show up. Live your truth. They will have the truth of the word of God. So he was obedient and faithful to his calling. He proclaimed the message without compromise and was not carried away by his success. He was a very humble man when he spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ. So what made John great? I have this answer. He had the mind of Christ. And that's the challenge to all of us from Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Even though he was God, he stooped down. I, I can't read because I'm looking at that time and you are reading from there. He stooped down, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Humility is a great virtue to have even when the Lord has blessed you and has given you a lot of gifts. Let's pray. And so Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you will help us to walk in such a way that will bring glory and honor to you. Thank you for John. I just pray you bless all of us and give us the mind of Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.